discriminatory at all, we'll fix that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Great job. The video, the first video. In spite of your protestations, the fault is all true, and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? I will basically, that is the Odyssey, I think. I, I'll say protestations. Suppose what Oscar believed in as he died, in spite mm. of your protestations. Suppose it's all true, mm. and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? I will basically, that is the Odyssey, I think, I, I'll say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. Because the God who created this universe, if it was created by God, is quite clearly a maniac. Utter maniac. Totally selfish. Totally... We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him? What kind of God would do that? Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects whose whole life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could easily have made a, a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable. So, you know, atheism is not just about them not believing there is a... Is not believing there's a God, but on the assumption that there is one, what kind of God is he? It's perfectly apparent that he is monstrous, utterly monstrous, and deserves no respect whatsoever. The moment you banish him, your life becomes simpler, purer, cleaner, more worth living, in my opinion. That sure is the longest answer to that question <laughs> that I ever got in this entire series. So Stephen Fry thinks that the moment you banish God, life gets much better. He's an atheist. And in his interview, he seems to imply, you know, that uh, some of his struggle with the existence of God is, even if there were a God, uh, what kind of God is he if um, uh, uh, there are questions about human suffering? Um, you know, it's questions that we all think about. The existence of God and who he is, and then what do you say about sickness and death? What, what are we supposed to think about natural evil? And um, what are we supposed to say about the chaos in the world? I have slides if you could help me there. So, and it's, it's the same questions we also deal with, right? You know, where does cancer come from and uh, why is it even there? Why, do, why did your close friends take, take their own life? Why was an innocent child sexually assaulted by a caregiver that they were supposed to trust? 
Why did your parents split, or even your own marriage or relationship, despite doing everything right? Why do floods and hurricanes kill people? Like, these are questions I'm, I'm sure we all um, uh, uh, struggle with. So how dare God? And if this is spiritual warfare, because we're in this series, the battlefield fighting the flesh, the world, and the devil, if this is spiritual warfare, are we really on the right team? Who really is the enemy? So today we'll just talk about, you know, in spiritual warfare, know your enemy. Uh, a, the, one of the good ideas you could pick from uh, Sun Tzu's uh, uh, Art of War. So Lord, I ask that you speak to us. Lord, I ask that you, you come and do what only you can do. And I ask that you set, set people free, set us free, even to see your victory. Amen. So I want to read um, <clears throat> from the book of Daniel, uh, from, chapter, uh, from chapter 10, from verse 1. In the third year of the reign of, of, of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was also called Belteshazzar, its, the, uh, its message was true, and it was con uh, concerning a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions uh, at all until the three weeks were over. And if I just stop there for a second, so... Uh, there's a semblance of warfare that is actually going to, to play itself uh, physically in, in Daniel's world. And, and do you see how Daniel responds to spiritual warfare? It's no longer business as usual. One of the things I was saying last week is we have to stop living life as if it's business as usual when we're in the middle of warfare. So Daniel realizes this is going to happen, and it's no longer business as usual. He does some kind of fast. He changes even how... He, he gets into uh, uh, what, what are called spiritual disciplines, or just habits in which he involves his own body uh, with, uh, in, the, in the spiritual realm. Spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. We cannot be in spiritual warfare if we don't pray, if we don't fast, if we don't read scripture. This is how we fight this battle. So I'm going to continue reading. Daniel has received some bad news, and it, uh, he's been praying for three weeks. And here is how it continues. I think this is from verse 10. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel... You are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up. So this is an angel who's been sent from God with Daniel's answer. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I had come uh, in response to them. So here's the thing. It's never, uh, how should I pray? What's the formula? Should I pray for three weeks? Should I, from the first day Daniel started praying, God heard and responded. But this is three weeks later. So, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. 
Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there uh, uh, with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So just to unwrap that bit, uh, Daniel prays, God answers, then what happens? So what we're reading there, the prince of Persia, it isn't a person. This is a spiritual entity that was in charge of that place. It's some spirit. He calls, uh, the angel calls the prince of Persia. It intervenes and tries to block God's will. It delays it actually for a while. You know, it, in that moment, it could even feel like God has lost it. You know, uh, th there's an evil spirit and it's fighting against God's will. It seems that whatever this is, it is separate from God, it's separate from human beings, and uh, uh, it, it has the ability, uh, it has its own will, and it has the ability to enforce this will. Much like you and I do. We are not God, but we have a free will, we can choose what to do, and we have a body to enforce that will. There are spirits too. And, oh, by the way, I just need to say, uh, yes, this is quite a heavy series. So I will, we will be very gentle and patient, uh, but we need to talk about these things. Yeah. So anyway, so, so they also have a will and, a, 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 and agency to enforce it. So the question becomes, if this is possible, what if, has that ever happened to you? You know, has God ever answered your prayer and then something came against it? Were you aware of it? And if these spirits can do this, what else can they do in the world? Because this must be just one of the things they can do. Now, it's easy for someone to argue, well, this is like over 3,000 years ago. Then people didn't know things. We know better. Science has taught us. Uh, and you know, they, they just looked for, for ways to explain the inexplicable or, or things they couldn't explain. <laughs> and you know, and so people say, well, look at Genesis. There's a talking snake on page three. And you know, the, the thing is, 3,000 years ago, people didn't, people there were just as in, then were just as intelligent. They didn't think snakes talk. There's something deeper going on here. We haven't become wiser overnight, like, oh, snakes don't talk. They didn't know what was happening. They knew snakes don't talk, so there's something deeper going on here. So before you brush off this whole worldview that there are entities uh, in the spiritual realm and they interact with our physical realm, just open your mind, have some intellectual humility. But also, for those who are followers of Jesus, I want to invite you to this reality. This is the lens through which Jesus viewed the world. If you're going to follow Jesus, then the question becomes, how does he view the world? That has to be important to us. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees started an argument with him, debating with him. This drew a crowd, <laughs> as these things always do. If you go to Nairobi, sometimes there are these uh, you know, street bunges in Parliament, and people gather because there's a debate going on. It was somewhat the same thing. Uh, 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 and and uh, the Pharisees were worried that people respected Jesus and all these things. On this particular day, as this was happening in the crowd, there was a father who was desperate 
for his son to get healed. His son had been sick from when he was a boy. As any parent would, he had tried everything. He wanted his son to be made well. It, it's, it was possibly epilepsy, because this kid has had seizures that would often throw him around fires and water, and the father was desperate. So in the middle of the debate between Jesus and the Pharisees, he says, Do you, could you make my son well? So that's what we're reading in my, uh, Mark 9, 17 to 26. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought, you, I, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the, to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. The disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So, so they, brought, they brought him. So they brought him. When the spirit so it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled away, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. That's the voice of a desperate father. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father said, exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And I, love, I often quote this because it's easy even as believers to know we believe and we often come to a place of unbelief. And Jesus is not afraid of, of, of those moments. So this father prays one of my favorite prayers. I do believe. Help, my, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, uh, wait, just before I continue there. And so even for those, who are, for those who this is not a natural worldview, I invite you to make this prayer. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the death and spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. So was the boy sick? Was it epilepsy, which is a, a, a physical condition, uh, uh, or was he demonized? So before you argue, well, people of ancient times just assumed everything was because of de uh, demonic spirits. Jesus actually performs an exorcism. Jesus casts out an evil spirit. So was the boy sick or was he demonized? You know, another day, Jesus again is teaching in the Sabbath, a crippled woman comes. Jesus is filled with compassion and it gets him in trouble because he is about to heal on the Sabbath. This is how the encounter goes. This is Luke 10, 13 to 16. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten it up at all. When Jesus saw her, uh, he called forward to, and said to her, 
called forward and said, oh, where is that? Said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity, which means disease. Yeah, you're set free from your sickness. You're set free from your sickness. Then he put his hand on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has bound her? So here's another scenario where Jesus doesn't cast out an evil spirit. Instead, he heals her of her disease. So which is it? Which is it? You know, one, one of the things I want, to, I want us to pick out, that it, it seems that for Jesus... Evil spirits are real and they can afflict human beings. Now, not every illness is directly uh, as a source of, of demonic oppression. But you see, in, in this story with this woman, it seems that her, Jesus looks at her suffering and can say that this is the devil's fault. Like for him, the work of salvation and the work of healing and the work of, of, of defeating the devil are one and the same thing. Whether, whether it's healing a, a, a physical illness um, um, uh, or any of that, and whether it's casting out demons, it's still his work against the enemy. And um, uh, in, his, in his view... Spiritual beings do exist, and they have a will of their own, and they can choose, much like human beings, to either oppose God or not. Now, as I keep saying, not all suffering is directly demonic. If you burnt your chapo yesterday, and so the family had no dinner, that was, that was probably because you are trying to multitask. Uh, if, you, if you say, like a few years ago, forgot to pay your taxes, and I was fine, uh, it wasn't a demonic attack. You know, believers sometimes in some settings have this habit of making everything a demonic attack. Oh, I overslept, and so I was late for church. The enemy is on me. Wow. You know, no, not, not really in that way. But, but it is important to realize that evil does exist uh, evil spirits do exist. They have a will of their own, and they, some, uh, they choose wh uh, whether to oppose God or not. And that in Jesus' worldview, all evil is foreign into God's world. All those things Stephen Fry was talking about. If Jesus walked into the room, he would compassionately say, that is foreign into God's world. All physical sickness is foreign into God's world. All demonic oppression is foreign to God's world. And in his view, it all ties eventually to the enemy, whether directly or indirectly. And some of these spirits are at war against God. And therefore, they can afflict human beings both physically, spiritually, emotionally. 
and honestly, even creation itself. Let's read Romans 8, 18 to 22. Someone's sitting there going, yes, this is finally church. We've read the Bible like four times. Um, I consider that our present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Even creation itself is suffering. And in, in, the, in the eyes of, you know, this is Apostle Paul, in the eyes of Paul, a follower of Jesus, it's, it's the same idea. It's foreign and it's demonic. Here's what I'm talking about. Our issues with mosquitoes, it's, it's not that, why, why on earth would God create something that just sucks blood out of people and puts uh, parasites in them? The last couple of years, the world has been subjected to over two years of a virus whose main aim is just self-replication regardless of who it harms. Why would a pig sometimes eat its own kids? Like the violence we see in the world, the hurricanes, the flood, the drought that, that often hits this country and some areas of this country are just left without food for months. Paul looks at it and says, you know what? Even creation has been subjected to suffering. And even creation is longing for the revelation of the children of God. Even creation is longing for God's kingdom come. So when we gather together and we go, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, creation agrees with us. Yes, we are longing for that. When we gather in the crew and say, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, our dusty city agrees with that. But it's going to be a few months before the rains come. Well, maybe not a few months, sorry. There's a country in which uh, you'd be jailed if you're, a, if you're a weather reporter and you report the wrong thing. So please, I wasn't reporting weather. All of creation is frustrated by evil just as much as we are. This is how God, this is how Jesus views it, this is how the disciples views, viewed it. Like, there, there, are, there, are, there is evil that is coming against God and it's frustrating human beings, afflicting them both, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, and it's also frustrating God's creation. But there's a hope inside us. There's a hope that even our very, the, the context in which Paul is speaking is that even our bodies will be revealed. Because if you are like me, sometimes your body does not really want to follow Jesus. Like, yeah, I like your ideas, but I want to go this direction. And so Paul is saying there's a hope that even all of us will be re redeemed. And he's saying even creation has the same hope. And then there's the other piece, which is human action. 
There's a, there's, a, there's a place in our hearts that is constantly turned away from God, and sometimes we choose to cooperate with evil in the world. It's not just that there's evil out there. Sometimes there's evil in here, which is what is the flesh, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Sometimes, just like evil spirits that have their own will and, and agency to accomplish it, we also have our own will, and we can choose to either partner with God or partner with evil in the world, and sometimes we do. For example, when, when, when a drunk driver, when a driver decides to drive drunk and is involved in an accident that takes away life, what do we say about that? Surely they were not demonized. Well, you could argue that they were under the influence of a spirit, Okay. <laughs> if the person who, who's taken away is the breadwinner and a father or, or a mother, and then these kids are kicked out of their house, and then their family rejects them, what do you say about that? Is this demonic? Indirectly, yes, because all evil is an import into God's world. But sometimes broken human beings, participates in that. One of my favorite vineyard songs says, this is your kingdom come now. One of the lines uh, on that song, it says, uh, for those oppressed uh, by, by the devil and the wickedness of men. There's all that. Here is what really often breaks my heart, and I think it really breaks God's heart is that sometimes people attribute the work of the enemy to God the Father. How many bad things do we see happening and we go, oh, it's God's will. You go to funerals and this annoys me. And the, 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 uh, the thing they give you, and I'm just going, why do we print all these things? But anyway, uh, they often write, we loved you, but God loved you more. It's like, wait a minute. He loves them so much, he took them away? Like, well, if he loved them so much, he wanted them with him, then why give them to us in the first place? You know? When, when we go through difficult things, hard things, a, 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 a diagnosis that is just overcoming, and we go, it's God's will. God does not will evil. Now, sometimes then we see God bring good out of it, and then we go, you see, God started this. No, God makes everything work out for good, but he does not will evil. But there is evil in the world often coming against God's will. It wasn't God's will. John 10.10, 10. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This is why it would break Jesus' heart for us to see the, 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 the evil in the world and think, oh, God must have done this. He looks at his disciples and says, listen, if you see stealing of joy, stealing of life, that's not the work of the Father. 
Hey, if you see uh, murder around, of dreams and, and, and life, that's not the work of the Father. Hey, if you see destruction around, that's not the work of the Father. Let me show you what the work of the Father is, that you may have life and life in its full. We need to know our enemy. And, and our enemy, the devil, and his minions, all the spirits that decide to work for him, with him, his number one job is to destroy it all. When you see destruction, when you see death, when you see chaos, when you see sickness and disease, when you see natural evil, when you see chaos in the world, that is what the devil is doing. But Jesus came that he may destroy the work of the enemy and bring us life and life in its fullness. See, we are at war. And on the other side is the enemy. The Bible calls him by other titles like the devil, the Satan, the serpent of old, the prince of this world. And in those days, I want you to realize, princes and kings didn't stay in state houses when their armies went to war. They went to the battlefield. Our commander-in-chief never goes to war. Different times. So when, when Jesus calls him the prince of this world, he's effectively saying when the world wages war against him, the devil is leading all of them. But God has no equal. God has no match rival. This is not a balanced war. We're going to call the band back on stage as we finish. We started this series as our slow journey towards Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and I just told you this was the moment of what, of what uh, has, has often been looked at. You know, Christus Victor. Christ is victorious. In that in that moment, the whole journey of the life, the ministry, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, it was crowned at the cross and his resurrection because he had won the victory. And Paul, uh, you know, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, as he was reflecting on this, this is what he writes in Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The cross was triumph. The cross was victory. So yes, while we are still at warfare, while it might feel just as hard, sometimes uh, the enemy fights harder when he knows he has lost. While it feels like a struggle, I want to remind you that Jesus has won the victory and in him we have won the victory. One way it has often been described um, is, is, um, you know, is with the way the world war ended. On June 6, 1944, uh, the Allied armies landed on the beaches of Normandy and began the battle that was the decisive war against Nazi Germany. That is the day they lost. 
But the war continued for another whole year. And even as the war raged, there were battles in which people would die on either side. But you see, Nazi Germany had already lost this war. And then, on, uh, uh, you know, it was not until May 8, 1945, that, that they, they just gave unconditional surrender. This is essentially where we are. We're, we're in this moment in between times. Because Jesus has won the victory at the cross and his resurrection against the, uh, the cross and his resurrection against the enemy and evil and, and, every, and the world and even our flesh. But the enemy still keeps fighting. He knows he has lost, but he still keeps fighting. And he will be completely defeated as Jesus comes back on his second return. We are in this in-between times. That's why sometimes we experience victory. And then sometimes it feels like we're losing. But you have won the victory in Jesus. So what do we do in the meantime? Because there's a meantime. Just like in World War II, the meantime, there were still battles and people lost lives. So don't sit as if this is not battle. In the meantime, let's wait with expectation, like a bride waits for the groom. Lord, we say, even so come. Let's watch and pray. This is why we often start our celebrations with, come Holy Spirit. Because any moment the kingdom of God breaks through, we pray for the sick and sometimes we see them get healed and sometimes we're frustrated and we say, Lord, we wait. So let's wait with expectation, praying and waiting and joining God in what he is doing. Let's keep saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Two, let's engage in spiritual disciplines. And that might be such a, 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 a word that's so full of religion artists, but really it's just habits that, that in which we involve our body in what God is doing. Fasting, praying, scripture, which we started with at the beginning of this year. Going to church in such gatherings, but also in smaller gatherings where you can be loved, held accountable. Let's pray for the sick. Let's cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And let's celebrate. Seriously. When you pray for someone and they get healed, just run out of the door and do a very good dance. Don't pretend it's like, oh my gosh, I see this every day. Just celebrate it and then come back in the room, you know, composed and going, wow, praise the Lord, you know. But let's pray for the sick. Let's cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Let's feed the hungry. Let's clothe the naked and house the orphans. Let's keep joining God in what he is doing. Let's preach the good news of the kingdom. That our God is coming and our God is here. Let's follow Jesus and invite others to follow him. Why don't you stand? For those who are called by the Father's name, hear today God's word.
Fear not, for I have conquered the world. And death could not hold him. The veil that separated you and the Father tore before him. Because he keeps running after us. And he has no rival. He has won the victory. So Lord, come. We surrender to your arms. We surrender to your arms even though sometimes we feel wrecked in your arms. We surrender to your arms because here we are safe. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in our bodies as it is in heaven, in our country as it is in heaven, even as we step into an electioneering season and there will be a lot of spiritual battle. Lord, we long to see your kingdom come. And we speak against any chaos because the enemy has lost the battle for this country. Lord, we ask you to reign. Ask you to reign. I'm going to go to the back with our prayer team. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. And like I've asked a couple of weeks ago, if God answered your prayer, is there something that will surprise us or it's just, is it safe? I'm inviting us to let's, let's go straight into the middle of the battle and ask the Father, let your kingdom come. Uh, the worship team is going to lead us in, in, in a bit of worship. You are welcome to stay, and you're welcome to go home if, if it's time for you to do that. I encourage you, before you leave, say hi to someone. Maybe even pray with someone. I bless you now to go into this city. To your families, to your friends, to just even places you work and places you have lunch and and walk in the victory of our Lord. I pray that you will see victory in your body, victory uh, uh, in, in your family, victory in your spiritual life. You will, you will experience the friendship of the Father, even when the battle feels hot. A blessing now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.